Chimi Facet. That's Romanian. That's welcome in Romanian. That's about the only thing I know, except please and thank you. Uh, glad that you're here. Uh, as you join us in, a, in what we call the Book of Romans, actually Paul's letter to the church at Rome. Uh, a quick recap and then uh, some verses. The letter, Book of Romans, is, is about righteousness, the righteousness of God that's given to us, and it's imputed in justification. This verse from Romans chapter 3 we just covered. Righteousness of God has been manifested. Righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ with regard to all believe, all who believe. You can't make it much more clear and simple than that being justified as a gift by His grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. And we talked about that idea of justification as being declared righteous, not just, oh, I'm going to forget about it, oh, I'm going to, you're guilty, but I'll pardon you like the President of the United States does towards the end of his term, or uh, acquittal, we found you not guilty. No, uh, Righteousness is to be, uh, justification is to be declared righteous and to be imputed something is to ascribe something to someone by virtue of a quality of another. Let me make this simple. I'm not a golfer. I don't play golf. But uh, I have a millionaire friend who's a member of the Royal and Ancient Golf Club of St. Andrews. And he's a member and, and this, uh, this membership is kind of transferable. So he gives me his card or whatever he has to do and say, Greg, go over to St. Andrews. That's Scotland for those of you who don't, you know, and stay there a week and play golf. And because of no quality in me, but because of the quality in him, that's imputed to me, given to me. And, and also, conversely, to use a big word, the sin of man is imputed to Jesus Christ the Messiah. So I'm over there in Scotland, and I have all these fancy dinners and run up a whole big, big bar tab. Uh, don't tell anybody. And that's my, quote, sin, my debt. My debt is given to this man, the millionaire friend that I have. That's the way it works with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's given to us, and our sin's given to him. It's given to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the sent one, whom God publicly displayed as propitiation. And that was that whole idea of in the Old Testament, before Jesus came along, uh, actually the beginning of history on, we had these blood sacrifices because without the shedding of blood, there's not going to be any forgiveness of sins. But those animal sacrifices couldn't forgive sins. No, but they did cover it until the time that Jesus would come. These sins were kind of passed over, passed over, it says in Romans 3. The sins that were previously done. Sins were covered up until Jesus, the Messiah, the sent one, the Christ, came to give himself as the ultimate sacrifice. We talked about this from the book of Hebrews. which the, The temple was still standing at the time it was written, and... The writer of Hebrews says every priest in there is their daily ministering, the same sacrifices, offering them. They can never take away sins. But he, Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God. If you take any truth home from today, this is it, that Jesus Christ died for you this one time to forgive you of sins if you trust in him because through faith. Can you brag about it? No, there's no boasting. It's excluded. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Not of works, lest any man should brag. Of works, no, but by faith. Man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So, is God for the Jews only? No. He's for the nations too. Since God justifies the circumcision by faith, the uncircumcision through faith, and that brings salvation to all. Now we come to chapter 4. 
And we're going to see, and my wife's going to help me through some of the <coughs> um, slides here as I read the whole chapter very quickly. Justification is seen in the Old Testament. This chapter 4 is kind of a nice little package. We're going to look at the example of Abraham, okay? So if you have a Bible, turn to Romans chapter 4. And I'll read through this scripture. Got it, dear? What shall we say then to find out about Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has bragging rights, but not towards God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and was credited to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but as a debt. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Just as David also says, the the blessing of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not take into account. Is the blessing then, therefore, on the circumcised or on the uncircumcised also? For we say faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. How was it credited? While he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not while in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, seal of the righteousness of uncircumcised faith, in order to be the father of all who believe. Uh, That, in order to be the father of all who believe while in uncircumcision, that righteousness should be credited to them. And the father of circumcision to those who are not only of the circumcision, but also to those who follow in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham faith which he had while uncircumcised. For the promise to Abraham or to his descendants was not through the law that he should be heir of the world, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are the law are heirs, faith is made empty and promises of no effect. For the law brings about wrath, but where there's no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it is by faith, in order that it will be according to grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants not only to those of the law, but also to those of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of all of us, just as it is written, a father of many nations I have made you. In the presence of the one whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls the things that do not exist into being. In hope against hope he believed, so that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which had been spoken. Thus will your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he considered his own body already dead, being about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. And yet, with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that, he, that what had been promised, God was able also to do. Therefore, it was credited to him as righteousness, but not It was not only for his sake was it written that it was credited to him, but also for us, to whom it will be credited, to the ones who believe upon him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, he who was delivered over on account of our transgressions and raised on account of our justification. Let's pray. Lord, I do pray that you would take this scripture and... Send it home to the hearts, uh, minds of the folks here. I pray that I would be able to get out of the way and uh, simply show what your glorious word has shown us, has given to us, that we might take it, grow from it, 
live by it, and those that do not know you as Savior, fall upon it in faith that they may be your child. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. All righty. So, <clears throat> back to this section again. And then we're going to take big chunks like I always do. What shall we say uh, about our father Abraham? He wasn't just a... If that's not clear, it's going to get even clearer as we go through the book of Romans. Uh, throughout the New Testament, salvation, justification by faith. Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Quoting Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. He quotes it uh, no less than four times in this chapter, so we'll see that again. Ready? Now, to the one who works, uh, his wage is not as a favor, but as a debt. I mean, you know, my paycheck comes on Thursdays, and uh, you punch in, you do your 55 hours a week or so, and uh, that's what you get. You're owed that. But the one who does not work but believes in him, God, Jesus, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. And then Paul quotes David in the 32nd Psalm, the first and second verses. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds have been forgiven and whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. I put a big N there because there's double negatives. You're not allowed to use them in English, but no way, no how, no ever are we allowed to say nothing about nothing. You know, uh, they do that in other languages. In this Greek, you often find with salvation, they'll use a double or even triple negative that you will, in John, you will no way be lost once you are saved. All righty? So, moving on. Is the blessing for the circumcised or for the uh, uncircumcised only? For we say faith is credited to Abram as righteousness. What is this idea of crediting? Okay? This word is used like over 49 times. The verb alone in, in the New Testament, the, the noun form is used. Credited means, right here, credited means to be counted, to be reckoned. I still use that word a lot because I'm from Ohio, uh, considered, put to the account, taken to the account. So Abram's faith was put to his account and credited as righteousness. Uh, so he was justified, declared righteous before God. And so also the faith of the believer. That's how it works. It's not joining a church. It's not paying your 10%. It's not the works that you do, uh, be they good or neutral. It is your faith in Jesus the Messiah that gives you, it's credited towards your righteousness before God. So, moving on from there, uh, going through the text again real quickly. Is it on the uncircumcision or uncircumcised also? Uh, faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. How was it credited? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? So, uh, moving on to the next verse. No, while in uncircumcision, he received the sign of circumcision, the seal of righteousness of the uncircumcised faith, and so that he, he could be the father of all. Now, we're going to get to these two items. We kind of two topics or issues. We've been dancing around. Now, I ha kind of have a situation. A lot of you folks have studied this for years. Some folks are brand new, kind of in the whole Jesus game, you know, with the Bible and truth what we call Bible doctrine and learning these things. So we're going to take time to look at a couple of items. Already, One is this idea of circumcision. Uh, Romans chapter 2, Romans chapter 3, he's been mentioning it in Romans 4, and he goes on from there. And it's mentioned throughout the New Testament. 
Some people, uh, I'm not really sure what that is, and I don't, I'm afraid to ask. And the other thing is the law. Romans chapter 1 through 4, the law throughout Paul's writings throughout the New Testament, we hear talk about the law. So we're going to look at these two items. And to do that, we're going to look at them as they relate to our example here, Abraham, in Romans chapter 4. And, of course, as they relate to us. So we're going to take a short life of Abraham. Ready? A little overview. So if you have a Bible and it has leaves and pages on it, you turn back to Genesis. If it's got one of them electronic old things, then you bring up that screen. It says Genesis, and you go to Genesis chapter 12. And here's where we join the life of Abraham. Let me get out my uh, Genesis verses here. Life of Abraham, Genesis chapter 12. This would be kind of like 2,000 years before the birth of Jesus, however you want to date it or time it. So we look at Genesis 12 in the first part. We, we see, now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. I'm skipping over a lot of stuff, of course. So Abraham was about 75 years old at this time. He upstakes, literally, because he pulled his tent stakes up, and grabbed his family and all the cows and goats and everything and went out to a land he didn't know. So we skip ahead. Boom, 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 boom. Genesis chapter 15. God promises that Abraham would have a nation through his own son, a son of his own birth, okay? Uh, Genesis chapter 15, starting at the first. Just skipping over some verses. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, and he said, Do not fear, Abram. I'm a shield to you. Your reward will be very great. Now, here's Abram. He says, Oh, Lord God, what will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is is Eliezer of Damascus? That's a servant he had. Remember, he's 75. Now he's in his 80s. He's got no kids. Who's going to inherit that? I don't see what's happening here. Well, the Lord says this. Since you have given, uh, Abram said, since you've given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. I'm going to have to leave everything to that person, okay? Then, behold, the word of the Lord came to him, Abram, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who will come forth from your own body. He shall be your heir. That's really important to get, okay? And God took him outside his tent, looked up at the heavens. He says, Look. And count the stars, if you are able to count them. And God said to Abram, so shall your descendants be. Verse 6, then he, Abram, believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him, counted it to him as righteousness. Okay? Second part. So, we skip ahead. Then we get to Genesis 17, where circumcision, this circumcision was given as a sign of the covenant between God and Abraham. So we read these verses. I won't read a few more, but not the whole chapter. Abram was 99 years old. The Lord appeared to to Abram and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you and multiply you exceedingly. As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you you will be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but it, your name shall be called Abraham, the father of many nations. That's what this phrase he gives. Because uh, I've made you the father of a multitude of nations. I'm going to establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout the generations for an everlasting covenant 
to be God to you and to your descendants after you. And that includes possession in the land that God had given them. That's why we're very supportive of the land of Israel, the nation of Israel. And, skipping ahead, you will be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. And every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generations. So, circumcision, what is it? Let me have a drink of water first. Circumcision is the removal of the foreskin from a man's penis. Now, there I said the word in church. It's on tape. That's what it is, all right, in case you didn't know. Yes, it predates Judaism, all right? Uh, this wasn't, in, I was going to say it wasn't invented by God, but, uh, you know. Uh, this didn't come up just for the nation of Israel and Abraham. Circumcision had been around, okay? Now, just as an aside, there's a lot of things in life that predate it's because history travels in a line. Space, time, continuum. You know, here we are, Newtown Township, Bucks County. That's our space. Time, uh, Sunday, July 24th, 2016. So that's how it travels. And that's how it travels with the whole plan of salvation, too, in human history. Because Jesus ain't here yet. The Messiah is not here yet. And so there's things that predate. Alrighty, now, moving on. For men only. <laughs> yes. And uh, I, I laugh, but it's a serious issue. Female circumcision, uh, properly known as mutilation, FGM, has no place in Scripture. It never had a place in the Tanakh, the teachings of the Old Testament, the the Holy Scriptures of the Hebrews. does not have a place in, can't find it anywhere in Christianity or the New Testament, although there are some other world religions that look on it as honorable. Ask me later. Uh, why Why circumcision? It's given as a symbol. It's given as a symbol to the group, the nation, the people of Israel, as a sign of their covenant with God. Why? Because they were God's special people. It says in other parts of the Old Testament, not because they were bigger or smaller or more lovely or whatever. It says because God loved them and chose them to bring the Messiah, the anointed one, who would be the savior of the world. He was going to choose that nation and, quote, set them apart, sanctify them. So, circumcision was given as that sign, right? And it was also given to the individual, obviously the individual man, a very private, intimate sign of that man's relationship with God. I can't think of any, I mean, you guys with your tats, <laughs> I can't think of anything more intimate than the idea of circumcision. And that's what that's about, your relationship with God through this covenant, all righty? Now, Paul uses metonymy. He uses one word or concept to represent other things many times. So in other words, when you read this book and you read other letters that Paul's written, he'll often talk about the circumcision versus the uncircumcision. He's talking about the people of Israel, the Jews, the Hebrew nation, okay? God's covenanted people. And so therefore, the uncircumcision is everybody else, the goyim, the Gentiles, the nations, the Jews, and the nations. The point of Romans is there is no distinction now because Jew or Gentile, covenant people, or, or the rest, all saved through faith in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, sent for, uh, to forgive our sins. Now, the other issue is the law, and I'm going to get through this real quick. 
Um, but let's read some more scripture. The promise to Abram or his descendants was not through the law that he should be heir of the world, but through righteousness of faith. For those of the law uh, are heirs, if, if that's true, the faith is made empty and the promise is of no effect. For this reason, it's by faith, in order that it will be according to grace, that the promise is guaranteed to all the descendants. All by the faith of Abraham, as, uh, who just as it is written, he's the father of many nations. All right? Now, this quick uh, summation of the law. We could spend years on this. The law, as we see it, is the law given to Moses after the exodus from Egypt, Exodus chapter 20, and we see the moral law given, what we call the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, the basic, you shall not steal, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not kill, you shall not lie, i.e. bear false witness, and the ceremonial law, the sacrifices, the feasts, and those things. That's the law given. But the big thing here to understand is, this law was given 430 years after Abraham. 430 years. So how can the law be that which saves? This law was given much later. But the faith of Abraham, Genesis 15, 6, was credited to his righteousness. That's because we kind of have this misconception, and we'll go over and over and over this, like, you know, right, left, black, white, whatever, which side you want to choose here, okay? There, that there's the law here, and there's the grace here. And the law is, oh, that's all that Old Testament stuff. A grace, that's Jesus comes along and, you know, everybody gets a cupcake and a flower. Okay, it's all grace and all that sort of stuff. And, oh, in the law, some people will even say this, it's works for salvation. After all, look at their sacrifices and all these things. But in, in the New Testament, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you are saved through faith. That's a wrong concept of how salvation is. Uh, look at Galatians. Galatians, in this next part, in verse 21, Paul says, if you could have given a law to save, that would have been done, but it's impossible. But he says that the law, which came 430 years later, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God. The inheritance is not based on a law. It's based on a promise, okay? God has granted it to Abram by means of a promise. Back to Romans. You see, because... This is how salvation works. It's a relationship with God. And I've stolen this from Dr. Charles Ryrie. It's not new with me. But just to give you a little potted demonstration. You go all the way back to Adam and Noah and then the patriarchs. You get Abram and Isaac and, and Jacob and Joseph. And then you move on to Moses and you move on to the time of Christ. Salvation throughout history has always been through Jesus. The basis of your forgiveness of sins is the death of Jesus on the cross. Okay? Throughout history. Now, the requirement through any of those periods has been faith. Look at the famous faith chapter in Hebrews 11. By faith, Abel. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abram. I encourage you to read that. It's always been faith, not works. The object of that faith has always been God. Jehovah God, Yahweh God in the Old Testament, the Tanakh, uh, Jesus the Messiah, because the content of that faith progressively is being made more clear throughout history. That's just the way life works. You know, when you're younger, well, 
not in our society, when you're younger, you know more than old people. But when you're younger, you know, you don't know as much, and then you learn more and more about any subject or whatever, and, and this is revealed. So we have the beauty and privilege of looking back at the life of Jesus, at what took place when Jesus was here. The others had to look forward in trust and faith that God would be faithful to his promise. And that's exactly what you see here in this next section, okay? You'll see that we come to the faith of Abraham in just a minute. In hope against hope, he believed, so that he might be the father of many nations, according to that which had been spoken. Thus will your descendants be. Not being weak in faith, he considered his own body. He was already about 100 years old, and his wife wasn't far behind him. Deadness of her womb, how could she bear a child? But with respect to the promise of God, he didn't waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully assured that what had been promised, God was able also to do. God was going to do that. Therefore, it was credited to him as righteousness. And then we come to Genesis 21. God kept his promise. A son was born. The Lord took note of Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abram in his old age at the appointed time which God had spoken to him. Abram called the name of his son who was born to him, who Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abram circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God commanded him. Abram was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. This is from Genesis 21. Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said that Abram, that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son. The child grew and was weaned, and Abram made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. And then we move on from there. Okay? Now, this is Abram. He knew the promise of God. He didn't waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully assured that what God said he would do, he would do. And that's why it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, we finish off the book, uh, chapter of, of, well, I just underline these for you. We finish off the chapter here, chapter 4, with a couple of more verses and then some thoughts. This wasn't done just for Abram's sake, but also for us. To whom it will be credited? To the ones who believe on him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Is it any, can I make it any clearer than that? If you haven't trusted in Jesus, the Messiah, the sent one, then you're without hope and without promise. You say, I don't want to be in that place. Fine. What do I need to do? What does it say? Believe in Jesus. And you will be credited with that righteousness that the Lord offers. Now, I have a couple of comments, and the second one is a bit longer, but I do want to get it in, okay? First is um, this promise, the the law. I mean, anytime you have law, I was just thinking about this today. I was telling my wife about this. You know, I have a lawn tractor, and uh, and there's reasons for this, because somebody cut their arm off, and they got sued. I don't know. So you can't mow backwards. If the blade's running, you can't back up. But now they have an override switch you can use, so you can do that. But uh, you can get off your lawn tractor with the engine running in neutral if the blade's not engaged. But if the blade's engaged, by the way, can you try this? Don't try this at home, because uh, I've tried. But uh, <laughs> if you get off, it'll shut off. That's because the law, the law has all these things 
that are obstacles and set up and roadblocks because we're sinful creatures and this is the things we try to do. But the law bows to the promise. The Lord will provide. How does he provide? By grace through faith. Then we jump to Genesis 22, which is for another time when somebody preaches on the uh, book of Hebrews. Genesis 22, showing Abram's faith. This is the true richness and full fulfillment of his faith. But for us, I want you to understand this in the next couple minutes. Our faith is not, well, maybe in some rare case. I don't see our faith perfect, fully formed, completely developed when a person trusts in Jesus as Messiah, wants to have that relationship with God through Jesus. I don't see that happening. Why? Because look at the... I'm going to put them all up here at once. Look at the missteps of Abram. Abram's given this uh, promise of a nation. Chapter 12. Last half of chapter 12, what does he try to do? He tries to pass his wife off as his sister. So he won't, you know, you know, he's thinking, oh, they're going to kill me. So you, you be my sister, all righty? Later in 16, he hears the promise of God about having a son and a nation. But remember, his... His wife's kind of, you know, the old bag from Baghdad. So, I mean, how is she going to have a child at this age? Oh. And so Sarah helps cook this up. Look, I got a maid over here named Hagar. You sleep with her and we'll make a baby and that'll be the heir. So they try to do that. So he tries to, so he tries to make an heir, which he does, the son Ishmael. And nothing but trouble since then, right? Okay? Then... The Lord himself and two angels come in chapter 18 to announce this birth once again, uh, a scripture that we read. And what does Sarah do? Sits behind the tent and laughs. And the Lord says, who's laughing? You're laughing. And he says, oh, it wasn't me. And she says, I told you you're laughing. She says, no, I didn't laugh. Oh, come on. She, she, I mean, she says, is this going to happen? I mean, I'm like in my late 80s. I'm ready for shuffleboard. But, I mean, I can't, you know, this is not going to happen. Then, in the end of that chapter... The Lord has to destroy Sodom over, if you want to know the issue they had, nah, Romans chapter 1, you might want to read that. Um, tries to destroy Sodom, and Abram negotiates with him. Well, hey, God, let's make a deal here. What's behind curtain 1, 2, or 3? You know, let's, uh, how about if we can find 10 righteous people? Uh, so anyway, this is a negotiation. And then finally, chapter 20, Abram tries to pass off his wife as his sister again, you know? So what I'm saying is, the faith doesn't pop out of us fully formed. So if you're here saying, I could never be like Abram or Abraham, anybody know what these are? Flannel graph figures. Do we ever use them? Does anybody use them anymore? Flannel graph, yes, yes. When I grew up, I thought, you know, this is what Bible people were like. They were in a whole different category. Flannel graph figures. I wanted to get to heaven and find these strange flat people and look on their backsides to see if they really said gospel press in flannel on them, you know? Because we have this concept that, oh, that's the Bible, Old Testament especially, either really bad guys, really good guys, or the New Testament. They're all just these two-dimensional cardboard cutout people that didn't really live lives. Friends, we're looking at Abraham who was given promises by the Almighty God. And what did he do? He lied deceived, manipulated, schemed, negotiated, did all of these things. And yet God calls him, Abram believed in God, and he credited to him his righteousness. I must say, it comes along later, Genesis 21, 
in Genesis 22. The very next chapter, you'll see when Abram is called upon to sacrifice Isaac as a test before God. You're thinking, I can't believe in Jesus because I'm not like one of these guys. Look at the life of Abram. So my question is for you today, where are you? Friend, if you don't know Jesus as Savior, just come to him in faith. Come to him as the man to Jesus who wanted his child healed. Help me in my unbelief. Secondly, don't expect you to be fully formed right out, you know, right off the gate. But God will help you to grow. Christian, believer, where are you? Are you growing in him? Are you trusting in him? Like Abram. Let's pray.